I'm Brett McGarry. Last week on The Couch Potatoes, we previewed one of the most highly anticipated shows of the year. This week, we will review Stranger Things 2. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. It is a new month, and that means it's time for the November movie preview. It's the most wonderful I've always loved Christmas, but as a mom, it's a lot of work. In between the wrapping, the shopping, the cooking, the decorating. Sweetie, we don't drink the tree water. Because we're people, right? Oh, God, make it stop. There's almost no time to actually enjoy it. And only one thing. Oh, no. What is it? Could make it even more stressful. My mother's coming for Christmas. Oh, my God. The first movie released this month opened this past yes. Wednesday. A Bad Mom's yes. Christmas. You ain't seen nothing. I'm here to see my daughter on Easter. It's Christmas. Christmas. I cannot wait to spend every waking minute with you. Oh, no. Where's your tree? I guess I should've been around this week. No, clearly not at the gym. But I'm a 34-year-old woman, and she's still telling me how to live my life. My mom got her hair kind of colored exactly like mine. Is that normal? We don't like to use the word normal. You are gonna be my best friend forever. The first Bad Moms debuted in July 2016 and made a respectable $183 million worldwide. It starred Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, and Katherine Hahn as frustrated moms who grow tired of trying to be perfect. This new one is about their Bad Moms who come home for Christmas. Yes! I want to throw a Christmas party. Where? In my house? Yes! And 184 people are coming. How much does this cost? Can you put a price tag on Wonder? I actually just wanted to enjoy Christmas this year. You are a mom. Moms don't enjoy, they give joy. She's gonna keep treating you like this until you fight her. Physically, I don't want you to meet my mom. I do this the moms are played by Christine Baranski from The Good Wife and its spin-off The Good Fight, Cheryl Hines, most notably Larry David's ex-wife in Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Susan Sarandon, who is in so, so many things. Much like in the first movie, our three heroes get fed up and rebel. Christmas is supposed to be fun. Stay Christmas back. No more perfect gifts, no more perfect decorations, no more perfect anything. Let's put the ass back in Christmas. That didn't come out exactly as I planned it, but you guys get what I mean. Hey, we know what you had. The first movie did not have the greatest reviews, but as mentioned, it was a hit with a great cast. This new one has an even better cast, even with a supporting role from Justin Hartley, a.k.a. Kevin from the NBC hit show This Is Us. He plays a stripper in A Bad Mom's Christmas, and Katherine Hahn really likes him. I'm kind of on a first date with Santa number two. How did you guys meet? Oh, waxing his business. Oh my god. It looks like a parking car. He has such kind eyes. Put a baby in me, Santa number two! Also new this weekend, the God of Thunder returns. Thor Ragnarok, the latest from Marvel, and our buddy Thor is in some trouble 
It's the third Thor movie, the first one in 2011, which is one of my favorite titles in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was quickly followed by Thor The Dark World in 2013. I didn't mind it, but it was not as well received. In Ragnarok, Thor finds himself in a tough spot, courtesy of Kate Blanchett as Hela, the goddess of death. She's gotten herself out of jail, and she's mad. She banishes Thor to some godforsaken planet, which is ruled by Jeff Goldblum. What have you brought today? Tell me. A contender. It's main event time. Seems Goldblum runs himself a gladiator business, and Thor, after they cut off his long blonde locks, is now one of those gladiators, and his first opponent is a familiar face. He's a friend from work. It's the Hulk, as you can imagine. That leads to some amusing scenes between the two fighters. After the Dark World was frowned upon by many, they've gone out of their way to lighten things up this time out, giving Chris Hemsworth the opportunity to be both a big tough guy, but also showcase his comedic talents. We're the same, you and I. Just a couple of hot-headed fools. The Hulk like raging fire. Thor like smoldering fire. <laughs> And indeed, it is being described by many as the funniest Marvel movie to date. And you and I had a fight recently. Did I win? No, I won. Easily. Doesn't sound right. Well, it's true. And it's getting great reviews. Looks like a ton of fun. We will have a review next week. Welcome. Voice activation required. Thor on November 3rd. Denied. Uh, God of Thunder. Denied. Prince of Asgard. Denied. Strongest Avenger. Let me try. Banner. Welcome, Strongest Avenger. Oh, uh, what? Thor Ragnarok. In limited release, possibly opening at a theater near you this weekend, Willem Dafoe runs a motel in The Florida Project, where, among other things, he has to deal with kids dripping ice cream in his lobby. Okay, I warned you, one drip and you're out. Oh, come on! Out now! It's gonna melt outside! It's melting inside, too. But, Bobby... Out. Thank you very much. You're not welcome! The Florida Project is getting rave reviews for several reasons, one of them being that it's an honest portrayal of kids being kids. The man who lives in here gets arrested a lot. These are the rooms we're not supposed to go in. But let's go anyway. Could you give us some change, please? The doctor said we have asthma and we gotta eat ice cream right away. Here you go. The story involves the people who live at this little motel in Kissimmee, Florida. They're all pretty poor and have their troubles, and Willem Dafoe is the manager. He, too, is getting great reviews. Oscar buzz already has begun. Hey, Lee, got a situation here. Open up. It's only second week of the summer, and there's already been a dead fish in the pool. We're trying to get it back alive. Water blooms thrown at tourists. Boobies! Boobies! I failed as a mother, Moni. Yeah, Mom, you're a disgrace. And I guess it focuses on this one young girl and her mother. 
New job? Yeah. If you're working, who's looking after money? You're not my father. I don't want to be your you father. You can't treat me like this. You don't think everybody knows what's up, Haley? Everybody. She's about to cry. I can always tell when adults are about to cry. The movie looks terrific, and I mean, frankly, Willem Dafoe as a good guy? Have we ever even seen that before? Bad guy plenty, mysterious, creepy guy almost every time out, I would think. So a welcome turn probably for both him and for us. I intend to see The Florida Project in the next week, so next week I should have a review. Have a nice day! Love you, Bobby! I love you too! We'll continue the November movie preview in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We are doing our November movie preview. And on November 10th, there will be a murder on the Orient Express. A passenger has died. He was murdered. The murderer is on the train with us now. And every one of you is a suspect. (laughs) So, let us catch a killer. Yes, let us, and who will guide us on that journey? My name is Hercule Poirot, and I'm probably the greatest detective in the world. Kenneth Branagh stars as Poirot in this remake of the classic Agatha Christie murder mystery, Murder on the Orient Express. It was a best-selling book. It was also a star-studded movie in the 70s. Pretty simple. A dozen or so passengers on a train. Someone is murdered in the night. Everyone is a suspect. Poirot must solve the case before the murderer strikes again. Now, the ending is pretty famous. In fact, it would seem to sort of be the whole thing. But perhaps old Branny here has figured out a way to keep the big twist intact while keeping some of the followed unpredictable. He directs it as well. We'll see. It looks really good. The cast also includes Johnny Depp, although he's the murder victim, so he probably won't be in it too much. The suspects include Josh Gad, Judy Dench, Michelle Pfeiffer, Penelope Cruz, Leslie Odom Jr., Derek Jacoby, and Willem Dafoe. The real killer is right here. One of you people. We're surrounded by lies. I'm sleeping here, where everyone can see me. And I can see everyone. Who takes up the knife? Cannot trust no one. No one. Also on November 10th, it's another movie about parents. First we had the bad moms, now we've got Daddy's Home 2. Hey guys, we got a big surprise. A trampoline? Another pony? Fake IDs? It's even better. This year, no more back and forth at Christmas. We're not doing the back and forth. Nope, I just said that. Yay! A together Christmas like a normal family! A together Christmas! Hello? Grandpa Kurt? The first Daddy's Home debuted in theaters in December 2015. Farrell played the nerdy stepdad, that's Will Farrell, and Mark Wahlberg was the cool dad. Dad. He was the dad dad. And they had a rivalry. It got surprisingly bad reviews at 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I say surprising because in 2010, they co-starred in the buddy cop movie The Other Guys, and it was hilarious. And it got great reviews. This new one is about their dads. Mark Wahlberg's dad is played by Mel Gibson. My dad is going to scoff at everything we do. Your father hasn't met the new Evolve Dusty. I mean, who wouldn't be impressed with you? Bear. Dear God. Thunder! This is gonna come off weird, Dusty, but he's beautiful. Thunder! 
Why don't you bring the car around? I'm not the driver. I'm Brad. Stepdad? Will Farrell's dad, meanwhile, is played by John Lithgow. He hasn't seen his dad in a long time. It's only been two weeks, but it feels like forever! It does, doesn't it? And this guy's raising your kids half the time. The grandpas have come together for the first big family Christmas, and comic hijinks are set to ensue. So this code dad's thing. You gotta ask another man's permission to see your own kids. Everything is rock solid between me and Brad here. In fact, best friends. Really? <laughs> Brad, thank you. Stop it. I'm good. Because we're boys. <laughs> Wrestling superstar John Cena returns as well. He had a small role in the first one. Hard to imagine a movie with this much star power being bad, but the first one apparently wasn't all that great. I still want to see it though. And now I want to see Daddy's Home too. Hey kids, I got a good one for you. Two dead hookers wash up on the oh, show. No, no, no. <laughs> On November 17th, hold on to your butts for the insane action and high-flying adventures of the Justice League. I'll take that as a yes. What? The ring. Well, maybe it's not all action. That's from the newest trailer for J the Justice League. It features Henry Cavill's Superman in a dream that Amy Adams' Lois Lane is having, as it turns out. Officially, Superman's still dead. Can't imagine he'll stay dead, though. After that opening stanza, the trailer focuses on the other heroes, the ones who will actually provide the action. Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, and The Flash. I had a dream. It was the end of the world. Invasion. I think it's something more. Something darker. Darker? I thought they were going out of their way to make these things lighter. We're asking people we don't know to risk their lives. Strong man as strong as alone. You ever heard that? not a saying. That's the opposite of what the saying is. While Batman is still all broody, the other folks, especially Aquaman, seem to actually be enjoying themselves. The world needs Superman. I made him a promise. This is why I brought you together. Right ain't over yet. My man. There actually does look like there's a lot of good action in these trailers. There's also this blood-red sky, which means something to those who've read the comic books. The rest of us will find out November 17th. Oh, awesome. As a bat signal, that's your... Oh, shit, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Yeah, that's, that's what that means. It's so cool. Also on November 17th, an animated religious tale involving the animals who were present when Jesus was born. This holiday season, witness the story of the first Christmas.
to a whole new set of eyes. It's the wise men. Hide quickly. Look. Ah! The other left. Oh, Deborah, are you okay? How many hooves am I holding up? <sighs> yep, seems that while Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, etc. were witnessing the birth of Christ, the animals were having a side adventure. Good times. Who knows, though, it could become a Christmas classic. We need to save her. You're in danger. You need to listen to what I'm about to say extremely carefully. Do you want a belly rub? <laughs> Do you remember the last animated movie that came out in November that we blew off? Uh, what was that? It was Frozen. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that went on to be what the biggest animated yep, movie of all time. Pretty much. So yeah, we. Uh, who knows? We, who knows? Was that the voice of Tracy Morgan? I heard in there. I think so. there's actually. I didn't uh, write them all down. There, there were quite a few famous people in that. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He is Brett. We are doing the November movie preview. We are on to the 17th, and of course, the big movie that weekend will be Justice League, featuring a bunch of superheroes. But also on the 17th, not Wonder Woman but rather a movie just called Wonder. My name is Augie Pullman. Next week, I start fifth grade. And since I've never been to real school before, I'm pretty much totally petrified. I'll see you later. Augie, you don't want to walk up with your parents because it's not cool. But you're cool. I know I am, but technically most dads aren't. Neither are these helmets. Dear God, please make them be nice to him. Jacob Tremblay, the terrific kid actor from the movie Room, plays a young boy born with a facial deformity who has to start a new school and deal with all the jerky kids making fun of him. Might be easier if his parents hadn't named him Augie. What is that? Anyways, those parents are played by Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson, and I guess it's sort of like the movie Mask. His time at his new school starts pretty rough. Look at his face. I've never seen anything that ugly in my life. If I looked like him, I'd swear. I'd put a hood over my face. I know you don't always like it, but I love it. It's my son's face. You are not ugly, Augie. You just have to say that because you're my mom. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most. Because I know you the most. Eventually, a few of the kids do see him for more than just his appearance. Hi. You don't have to do this. I don't know what you're talking about, Augie. You don't have to pretend is all I'm saying. Augie! Okay, I'm really sorry. Why are you sitting here then? Because I want some nice friends for a change. Me too. It does seem pretty heavy-handed. I mean, they named him Augie, for God's sakes, but it probably is a good family movie, and it's definitely a lesson worth teaching children. You're the toughest kid in that school. Show them. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. Never thought about having plastic surgery. Dude, this is after plastic surgery. It takes a lot of work to look this good. Moving on to November 22nd for the American Thanksgiving weekend, something from Disney Pixar. Uh, uh, it's you. You're going to get me in trouble, Dante. Someone could hear me. I wish someone wanted to hear me. Other than you. It is the first offering from Disney Pixar to feature an all-Latino cast. It's called Coco. I know I'm not supposed to love music. No music. No music. <laughs> but my great-grandma Coco's father was the greatest musician of all time. Papa Ernesto de la Cruz. One day... He left with his guitar, 
and never returned. No, my family thinks music is a curse. Great-great-grandfather, none of them understand me. I'm supposed to play music. Coco is about a young, aspiring musician named Miguel. He wants to be like his great-grandfather. And after visiting what looks like his great-grandfather's tomb and playing his guitar on Dia de los Muertos, no less, i.e. Day of the Dead, he ends up somewhere else. All right, who's in there? I'm sorry. What's going on? I'm just dreaming. Do you mind? Welcome to the land of the dead. That's right, he's gone to the land of the dead. You gotta stay with me, boy. This isn't a dream, then. You're all really out there. Agents at the Department of Family Reunions are available to assist you. Please be on the lookout for a living boy. Miguel, you're here. We're your family, mijo. The dog likes the land of the dead because everyone is a skeleton. So, you know, bones. They're skeletons, much like you'd see on the Mexican holiday, Day of the Dead. The land of the dead is very much like the land of the living. Everyone still works the same jobs they used to, but now they're dead. Miguel is still alive, along with his dog Dante, and there's a problem. We gotta find my great grandpa You gotta do it by sunrise. What happens at sunrise? You'll be stuck here forever. What? The voice cast includes Gael Garcia Bernal, Benjamin Bratt, Edward James Olmos, Gabriel Iglesias and Cheech Marin, just to name a few. As with all Disney Pixar movies, this looks incredibly imaginative, jam-packed with colorful details. That's you! I am terribly allergic. But Dante doesn't have any hair. And I don't have a nose. And yet, here we are. Also on November 22nd, Dan Stevens is the man who invented Christmas. So he's had a couple of flops. Well, who hasn't? You have a new book in mind? Oh, of course he does. My lamp's gone out. I've run out of ideas. Are we in trouble? No, of course not. I have told you not to disturb me when I am working. The title is The Man Who Invented Christmas, but let's not get carried away. Dan Stevens, who you may know from the show Legion or the first couple of seasons of Downton Abbey, plays Charles Dickens, and the story is set as he writes his Christmas classic, A Christmas Carol. Pickpockets, streetwalkers, humbug. Those people don't belong in books. Charles! Come back! Come back! Come back! It's about a miser, and on Christmas Eve, he meets some kind of supernatural guides. The movie takes a page from my beloved Shakespeare in Love, which is also a movie about an historic writer coming up with one of his masterpieces and throwing in a bunch of fiction about how his real life inspired the story. I think this one supposedly hews a little more towards the truth, though. But like Shakespeare in Love, it does have a lot of fun with titles. Does it have a title? Humbug, A Miser's Lament. Christmas Ghost Story. Christmas Song. Christmas Ballad. Something like that. Get the name right and the character will appear. Scratch. Scrounger. Come on, Scrooge. Shut the window. You think I'm made of money? Mr. Scrooge, how delightful to meet you, sir. Sorry, I can't say the same. You and I are going to do wonderful things together. The great cast also includes Jonathan Price, Simon Callow, and Christopher Plummer as Ebenezer Scrooge. I rolled my eyes when the trailer began, but by the end, I was really into it. Looks like a lot of fun. If I can't finish it, I'll never write again. The characters won't do what I want. I'm the author here. Allegedly. 
have to get to the princess by nine o'clock. But you still don't have an ending. Merry, Merry Christmas to one and all. Merry Christmas! That's enough. Back to work. God bless us, everyone. And to close out our new November movie preview, also on the 22nd, a movie that was actually supposed to come out on August 25th, when I watched the trailer for this, I thought, this looks familiar. And then I remembered, oh yeah, that's because it was in our August movie preview. But then they moved it to December 1st and moved it again to November. It's a scary movie called Polaroid. What's that? Camera. Where'd you get it? I work at this antique store. This is so cool. Try it out on me. Group photo. Yes. Smile. You work with Tyler Drew at the antique shop. Yeah. Tyler's dead. What? Like many horror movies, Polaroid features a cast of young, attractive, no-name actors who probably didn't cost a lot of money for producers to hire. One of them finds a really old Polaroid camera and starts taking pictures with it, but then the people in the pictures start to die. I think you're all in danger. What are you talking about? You see that shadow? After Tyler died, the shadow moved to this photo. I think if the shadow moves to your photo, you die. If it really freaks you out, we can get rid of the damn thing. Don't! Problem solved. What the? So what happened there is one of the guys grabs a picture, pulls out a lighter, and sets it on fire. Then one of the girls catches fire, and they can't put her out until they put out the fire on the picture, which then returns to its undamaged form once the flames are doused. Creepy! The film is described as mixing elements of The Ring, and the Final Destination films look scary. Sometimes to deal with tragedies, we make up urban legends. Except this wasn't an urban legend, this was real. He's coming. You did this. You get the photo. Ah! It's moving. Run! Get the door! Get the door! Hello? I left out the scary uh, sound effect. Are you sure? Yeah, that's it. It's over? It's over, Jeff. It's okay. (laughs) Turn my volume back up here, man. A couple of limited releases of note, I guess, as we move into award season here. Yeah, because you never really know from here until January. You know, there's release dates, unless it's a major motion picture. This stuff is all subject to change. Uh, We could see very shortly a movie called Last Flag Flying. That's a Richard Linklater film, a spiritual sequel to a 1973 movie called The Last Detail, which I believe starred Jack Nicholson. A movie called LBJ about the president starring Woody Harrelson. It's a Rob Reiner movie, and it got a great review on Twitter from... Carl Reiner, which is Rob Reiner's father. <laughs> uh, Sarsha Ronan is getting uh, all sorts of uh, good buzz for a movie called Lady Bird. Um, there's another one that might come out on the 10th called Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, starring Francis McDonald and, or McDormand rather, and Woody Harrelson again. That's like his third movie in the last two months. On November 17th, Denzel Washington stars in the legal drama Roman J. Israel Esquire. And on November 22nd, Gary Oldman plays Winston Churchill in a World War II set movie called The Darkest Hour. And there was, a, there was already a uh, Winston Churchill movie recently. I think Brian Cox might have played him. That sounds about right. Yeah. There was also another LBJ movie with Brian Cranston, wasn't there? 
Last, oh, last year, that might do That was the TV HBO movie. one. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Cranston, he's in that uh, Last Flag Flying movie. That's they got a great cast. Brian Cranston, Steve Carell, and Lawrence Fishburne yeah, there you go. play the three guys. And indeed, uh, it was Jack Nicholson in that 1973 film, The Last Detail. And up next, a review of Stranger Things 2. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Last week, we teed it up. This week, we've got a review of Stranger Things 2. I saw something. What is it? I don't know. I felt it everywhere. If you are unfamiliar with the smash hit series from Netflix, it burst onto the scene last summer, coming from out of nowhere. Set in the small town of Hawkins, Indiana, it centers on four boys, a monster from another dimension, and a mysterious girl with extraordinary powers, and a penchant for Eggo waffles. The eight-episode season one, created by the Duffer Brothers, was set in the 80s and is an homage to all things 80s, influenced by the likes of Steven Spielberg, Stephen King. It even resurrected a once-popular font for its title sequence, a font-slash-typeface that was used on Stephen King novels of the era. That first season was a pop culture phenomenon, culminating in an Emmy nomination for Best Drama. Season 2, or Stranger Things 2, now finds itself with the burden of expectations and high hopes. It delivered with critics, earning 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. And as ABC's Jason Nathanson explains, it delivered with viewers as well. You okay? The numbers are more than okay. According to Nielsen, in the first three days, just shy of 16 million people watched episode one of Stranger Things season two. That would make it the most watched show on cable right now and one of the top shows on all of TV. Also in that time, more than 360,000 people watched all nine episodes of the season. Now, Nielsen just started gathering numbers for streaming, and Netflix has said in the past those numbers were way off, so only Netflix knows the truth, and it's not saying. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood. Now, season two picks up just shy of a year after the events of season one. We reunite with the four boys and an arcade, but one of them, Will, has unfortunately not gotten over his traumatic adventure from season one, which... Saw him taken to the previously mentioned other dimension, known to the boys as the Upside Down, which is basically a mirror image of our world, but it's dead and scary with a monster the boys call a Demogorgon. Well, can, Will can still see into the Upside Down, and he sees this giant monster that looks like a spider. Eventually, it comes to be known to the boys as the Shadow Monster or Mind Flare. And that other dimension, the rift between our world and that world is only getting bigger, and that means more problems. More Upside Down, more problems, and that means more fun for us. As for the girl with the mystery powers, she's known as Eleven. She ended season one in a lot of trouble, but clearly she's not going to stay in trouble for long because that wouldn't be fun. So I can't really get into much more of the story for season two without spoiling it. My immediate gut reaction, though, was I enjoyed the sequel much more than the original. Jeff, uh, I know you've been kind of chipping away at it this season. How far did you get? I think I'm six episodes in it. I love spending time in this world. I don't really even, you know, I don't even care what actually ends up happening with the monsters and such like that, but it's been a lot of fun. The kid's still great. Hopper is the best. Paul Reiser's been a great addition. Winona Ryder is much better this year. She's less hysterical. Uh, I haven't found it bogged down like it did last time. My only problem is Billy. He's this new character. He's a teenage kid. I assume that his purpose is simply to be a jerk, so eventually he gets his comeuppance, at which point we will cheer because he was such a jerk. But 
it's a fine line because I find him so unpleasant that I just, it, he's too miserable that it takes the fun out of the show. Well, it's hard. It's a fine line to walk. Only one person can really do it well. And he was in the 80s and it was William Atherton. The EPA guy from Ghostbusters, oh! the reporter from Die Hard. Okay, he's yeah. the only guy that can play unrepentant a-hole and make you still want to watch him. Yeah, well, what about the principal from The Breakfast Club? Uh, that's not the same guy, is it? No, no. But he's also in Die Hard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's okay. He was not, but he's not like just such oh. a soul-sucking jerk like William Atherton plays in those movies. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Billy, nah, not so much. Everything else has been aces so far, I thought. Yeah, and uh, like I said, uh, I enjoyed the sequel more than the original. That's not to say I didn't like the original. I enjoyed the first season a lot, but I have said it many times. I'll just say it one more time. I think it was overhyped and bloated. Season one was eight episodes. Probably should have been no more than four with the sequel season. I still think it was a bit too long. Didn't need to be nine episodes, but I didn't find it to be nearly as problematic as season one. And just overall, I found this season to be some of the the heart-poundiest entertainment of the year. Yeah, it's fun. It's such a just a joy to go back into that world. I mean, it helps that these kids who are the stars of it are the same age that we were at that same time. So that makes it all the more exciting. Yeah, and there were many instances where I found myself on the edge of my seat, holding my breath. And this season had the benefit of some really killer visual effects that were as good as anything you'd see in a feature film. There were some problems, you know, and as more time, no more time passes since I finished the season earlier this week, the more I think about the things that didn't work. I don't really have time to get into it at all, but I think that the main problem for me is the way they used Eleven. I just, I think she was underused in this season. Yeah. But although in the, the climax, she's amazing. And uh, overall, I'm going to give Stranger Things 2 four couch cushions out of five. It's definitely worth the watch. It's a lot of fun, regardless of its problems. And I'm looking forward to much more. Hey, if you're listening to this on the radio, subscribe to our podcast, Google Play or on iTunes. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.